Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. Um, we're going to be today in Gal- the the bulk of it's going to be in Galatians chapter six. We are going to be in Galatians chapter five a little bit, so we can kind of get a little bit of a background uh, before the Apostle Paul gets into what he's actually telling the church in Galatia. Um, when I read this passage of scripture, and you look at it in context, and within its context. <clears throat> Does anybody in here doubt that you're selfish? Do you doubt that you're selfish? Maybe it'll be easier like this because I prefer to make people raise their hand. How many of you in here are selfish? Every human being on the planet has some, some level of selfishness. Amen? Doesn't matter what the person's title is. Don't matter how long they've been a Christian. Don't matter. There is, there is not one person on the planet that does not like to be the center of attention having all of their needs met. There's not one. Matter of fact, I'll go so far as to say that's your natural part. You don't even have to try in order for that to happen because that's just who you are, who we are as, as fallen human beings. We want what we want, how we want it, when we want it. How many of you guys, I mean, I'm old enough. How many of you guys thought you could drive through a McDonald's and, and get an entire meal handed to you for like, in like five minutes? entire meal i mean we grew up around home where you actually smelled mom cooking the food for three hours before you actually sat down at the table and ate it and life's become fast paced and if and if and if, if given my my history if mcdonald's takes seven minutes is there an excuse good enough i'm like we're encroaching on that line fast food becoming at least medium paced food potentially slow food if they're just a little bit later than we expect now as christians as christians this passage of scripture is going to talk a little bit about how that fallen nature and that selfishness comes into direct contradiction with what the spirit is leading us as individuals to do and everybody on the planet's led by one of the two they're either led by the flesh or led by the spirit a christian is not someone who just runs around behind the flesh and then on Sunday decides they're going to go to church and live by the Spirit. It's not how this works. Somebody who genuinely has freedom in Christ is someone who has freedom in Christ. But his point in this is we shouldn't be people who take the freedom that Christ give us and apply it as a lost person would apply it. In other words, I mean, I can benefit from all kinds of things that can cost you right and as a matter of fact i can actually do a lot of things at your expense is the best way to say it right i can just keep to myself keep my mouth shut or i can be too loud and too boisterous and if you lock 10 people in a room who sat in a church service that morning and asked them what you thought about the preacher that morning what would they say he's too loud but why is only one out of 10 saying he's too loud because it's a personal opinion but how how important does that person believe that personal opinion to be elevates above all the other nine right and all the other nine people they're going to pick out something completely different because where there's false you know why because and this is a modern day this is a modern day statement i do not believe my truth is truer than your truth and it's like no truth is truer than the truth. But we've become a society of individuals who really have learned more to look out for ourselves than we've been commanded to look out for other people. And we have been commanded to look out for other people. People say, I'm not my brother's keeper. Well, if you're a Christian, guess what? You are your brother's keeper. And it is word for word in the Bible. We are our brother's keepers. So when we look at individuals, it doesn't surprise me the themes move in this direction because it fits along with kind of the direction of the sermons I've been preaching over the last month. God wants us to be individuals who have the ability to look out from the relationship that we have 
and to see how the freedom that Christ has given us, it certainly can excuse you from all of your sin. It can. I mean, I'll say again, Paul said, all things are lawful for me. But he also said, all things are not profitable. And he limits himself to the things that are profitable. He doesn't do the things that the flesh may take pleasure in and satisfaction in. He chooses in his freedom to set the things that are selfish aside so that he may, by his own choice, in the relationship that he has with Christ, pursuing what God wants him to do, whether that's saying it, doing it, going where he's supposed to go. If, if we're not careful in being able to connect the dots, and I'll, I'll explain to you in a bit what I mean by that. If we're not careful in being able to, to connect the dots, we will always be more damaged to Jesus's church than we will ever be a positive. Now, the connect, connecting the dots, I mean, it's a very simple way of doing it. This relationship that we have with Jesus, this whole church, everything's built on a relationship, right? Churches go through phases. If a church goes through um, a phase where the relationships are weak, how much care does there, have to, does there have to be turned towards those relationships to make sure that those very volatile relationships stick? has to happen right how many of you can say and this is just don't answer this out loud i want you to answer this inside and i'm not saying this to beat you up i'm saying this just to show you something okay how many of you as individuals have chosen to do something that has a positive effect on other people in jesus Christ's church and there are some people who can say yeah i i do but what I'm wondering about is how many can say that. Why'd you miss church this morning? I was tired. What did that start with? I just don't have the money to tithe what God tells me to. What did it start with? I only get two days off in an entire week. What to start with? So who's it about? I mean, if that's how we start, if that's how we actually call out our sentences, it's about I, right? I kind of shocked my wife the other day. It was God because I was going to send my typical message out about decorating the church. We know it was a terrible weekend, Thanksgiving. People doing Thanksgiving family things, so I'm not holding that against anybody. Um, but I typed my message out. I was going to send it out on the prayer chain. And of course, it was just like I was going to do it before. I've always done it before. Meeting at the church at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Going to decorate the church. Come join in if you'd like to. But then I deleted it all. Because God said, you make it sound like it's work. Well, it it is work. But if it feels like work, you're looking at it from the bottom side up. So what did the message say? We get to decorate the church for Christmas tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning. You see the difference? Was there a difference in the impact that that message would have on every person that read it? If I sent one versus the other? You bet. You bet. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Have you ever listened to a non-Christian scream, call names, holler, everything in the book at a Christian and every sentence throw the word intolerant? Christians are intolerant. Do you know they really can't see that their statements, their involvement and interaction in the conversation, what is that? intolerance how much do we do this as human beings 
Every day, all of us have something in us where we do this. We look at another person's life and their standard should be higher than ours. Right? And if their standard isn't higher than ours, then where does that put us on a totem pole? It's not my fault. Ground is level at the cross. Jesus took down every high, high mountain and he, and he filled up every low valley. There's no human being that deserves anything that he gives us. We don't deserve it. Think about the worst things. And I don't know, I may be asking you to crawl back into the darkest corner of your lives with the shovel to, to sweep away the cobwebs. Go into the deepest part of your history, the worst thing that you've done under the sun, and Jesus became that for you. He became that for us. We have to be careful about the way that we influence the world towards the kingdom not only be careful how we influence it, but being intentional in how we influence it. You know what dawned on me the other day? God said, hey, how many young people you got that's, that's uh, attending the church? Took me about five seconds to name 11. Young adults. What should we be doing? Joining God where he's at work? Because let me tell you something. A while ago, I talked about the cycles that churches go through. And I want you to know that cycles teach young people. Cycles teach young people. Church's family. How many people do you think know that? Know what that means? How many know what it means? I mean, you can say probably quite a few people would know what that means, right? How many 25 years know, know, year olds know what that means? Do they know what it means? Well, let me ask you this. Are they treating like family? Because if they're not, it's not that they're incapable. It's that they don't know what family looks like. How do we teach them what family looks like? By demonstrating it. We become family to them. It's a relationship. The average age of Highland right now is ridiculously low. But our attendance is pretty decent. This is not a drawback. This is a blessing and a benefit. This is God actually saying, here is you an opportunity to build Highland from the ground up for the next four generations until Jesus comes back next. So question's this, how do you want Highland to be? We get to pick. Good news, we get to pick how Highland's going to be. We get to pick it. But see, the thing is, we pick it whether we're intentional or not. If we're not intentional in positives, how do we expect anybody to pick up on that if they're younger than us? As a matter of fact, if we're going to be complacent, passive, angry, how is that going to affect the young people that need to learn what this relationship's like? So, wait a minute. So the older people who know what family is are not treating the younger people like family and then upset because they aren't treating them like family. This is just one example. I give you 50 others. Service. Same thing. This church asks you to serve in any capacity. We're not asking you to fill a slot. We're not asking you to perform a particular task. We're asking you to use your gift to bring people to Jesus. That's all we're asking you to do. 
there are ways we figure out as a church that we can streamline that information but it comes down to this if we don't start caring more about people it ain't never gonna happen and i'm not saying people don't care i'm just saying that i don't think that we think when we're when we're in the midst of a group of individuals not only how what we say and do can negatively influence someone but how we intentionally the things that we say and do can positively influence someone i don't know if you guys know this yet but life's not a bed of roses comes with lots of complications lots of hard things Read these verses with me first and bear with my eyes. I slept like two hours last night. Usually I get up and I've got a good eight hours of good eyesight. I didn't have any when I got, when I got up this morning. So I'm going I'm to try to read this. If I ask you to read it, I'm sorry. I have time. Verse, uh, verse 13 in Galatians chapter 5. He says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another do you know why you do what you do and i'm not saying anything particular i mean everything you know why you do what you do it's because you choose to do you know why you don't do what you don't do it's just as simple as the other answer it's because you choose not to that's who we are that's who we're wired as individuals when we're people who can look at the word of God for you were called the freedom, brethren, he's affirming that. You were called the freedom. What's freedom? Freedom's absolute. You trust in Jesus. You truly trust in Jesus. You get freedom. And it is absolute. Doesn't require you living to some standard, living up to the Ten Commandments. How many of you guys know the Ten Commandments ain't there for you to follow? Please get this. It is not there for you to follow. The Ten Commandments is there to prove to you that you can't follow it. The Ten Commandments proves your need for Christ. There is no person on the planet but Jesus himself who has lived up to those Ten Commandments. He's the only one. No other person on the planet ever could do it. So if, it's, if, if he's told us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, how many human beings on this planet are imperfect? 100% of us are imperfect. It's imputed righteousness that Christ gives us. It's not a standard of life that we live. Now, this relationship that we have in Christ, it will provoke a standard of life, but we still choose what to do and what not to do. We choose. We had young adults several years ago, 15 years ago, in a business meeting. We'd sat down, we figured the budget out, young adult, stands up and says we need to get a budget for the young adults well highland didn't have a whole lot of money back then we don't have a whole lot of money young adults young adults are between the they start at like age 25 okay older adults when we have an activity here at the church as older adults who pays for it the church pays for it if it's a church activity but if you all decide you're just going to go out to dairy queen and eat dairy queen who pays for it So we need some money to be able to go out once a month as young adults and eat with each other. Well, I mean, us adults have usually just covered that cost individually, and it's not something we typically budget. Yeah, but I have financial trouble, and I just can't afford it. Well, let me think about it, pray about it. We'll come back, and we'll talk about it. I'll talk to the finance committee. We'll talk about it. Leave church that night, drive up the highway. Guess who's parked at Dairy Queen? I can't afford it. Why? Because you choose not to. Because there are other things in our life that we have allowed to become priorities that have nudged God out of the way. And in almost every case, you know who's at fault? Let's blame the devil. Not his fault. Matter of fact, I think the devil a lot of times just sits back and he goes, watch this, I am not going to have to lift a finger. I won't have to whisper a word and watch what happens. Should it be that easy? It shouldn't. 
don't turn your, oper- your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but instead, through love, serve one another. Does it say, but serve one another? Did it say that? But through love, serve one another. It's not a mechanical job. He's not asking us to just go fill a slot again. That slot that we fill, it has to be driven by the one thing that brought Jesus to this earth to die in our place in the first time in the first place. Love. Man, I love my grandkids. It's a whole new level. Didn't take long at all for me to tell all my kids I love them way more than I love my kids. I love my grandkids way more. I love my kids. Anybody who's a grandparent understands. Anybody who's a grandparent understands what I'm saying. Of course you don't love your kids any less. There's something about your grandkids. When I got a phone call last night that they were taking Jameson to the hospital, first I was cool. Belly problems. I mean, he's probably constipated. But the phrase that was used was he's hurting around his belly button. Could be constipation. But how's appendicitis start? pain around the belly button especially for a little kid and then it kind of moves get a call a little while later doctor thinks he has appendicitis they're sending him to Cardinal Glennon why does that touch my heart more than if it happens to some other person's baby that I don't know. I have a relationship with that baby. Right? How far are you willing to go? I'm not going to brag. God knows how long me and him talked last night. I'll brag on him. because he is so good why is it that our heart can melt for someone that we've built a relationship with but Jesus' heart could melt for every sinner on the planet you say well he's God right he has some supernatural abilities because he's God right Coincidentally, though, he told us that we're supposed to love one another with the same love with which he loved us. And I know how lovable I was. I wasn't. He loved me when I wasn't lovable. I've used the analogy many times. I think it's a perfect one. You go into Walmart, buy a fan, one box is taped shut, the other one's factory sealed. Which one do you pick? Factory sealed one every time. Why? Because there's nothing wrong with it. And as long as we're people who just wander around on the planet believing there's nothing wrong with us, there's no reason for us to be fixed. Which one does Jesus pick? He picks the one that's taped up. Why? Because it needs repair. We buy stuff expecting it to work. He bought and paid for us knowing that we wouldn't. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's huge if you let that sink in. That's why he says, but through love, serve one another not just serve one another through love build a relationship make a connection reinforce that connection are those are those relationships perfect no they get rocky all the time but if two believers are willing to trust in jesus to the extent of saying his word is absolutely true those two believers ought to be able to get along amen Every argument you hear is a competition for a winner. 
He covers that in this. Look, read with me uh, verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care, lest you be consumed by one another. And when he says, lest you be consumed by one another, he's not talking about you actually physically consuming someone. He's talking about you consuming someone's spirit. This fits here too, and it's a different scripture for me to use it in. When I was 21 years old, married Diana, you know how I want to fight? If I could send her to the room crying, I won. I was young and dumb. Young and dumb. What do you win? Pride? Is that what you get? Pride? You get to win pride. Because we know what God thinks about pride and the positive effects pride has on the human being. Pride cometh before a fall. To be consumed by one another means to strip someone of their power. Well, how do you do that? You say, well, God's in that person. They can't be stripped of that power. I've seen way too many to count times in my, in my lifetime to count where people have sucked the power of God out of an individual's life by not just being cautious about what they're doing. It's simple. Get in a fight with a spouse. How many of you ever fought with your spouse? And I mean a good one. What was the goal every time the conversation changed directions? What was the goal? It was to hurt the other person, right? And when the fight escalates, what does that mean automatically? You're fighting for who gets to hurt each other the most. And who wins? Nope. But so many people walk away feeling like the one who made the other one feel the most like a pile is the winner. The believer is the one that's supposed to be responsible. And I'm here to tell you, we're going to read some scripture here in a second. This has been my biggest struggle. You've heard me say this several times over 20 years if you've been listening. My biggest struggle is I'm expected to live at a standard that nobody else is expected to. And it ticks me off. You get to leave and you can go to lunch and have me for lunch. You can. I can't have you for lunch. Why? Because Jesus won't let me. And if you're going to go have me for lunch, but Jesus won't let me have you for lunch, then apparently you just aren't mature enough yet to know what negative effect that has on someone. And it doesn't matter whether you're having the preacher for lunch or you're having somebody else for lunch. I have, I just hung one of my posters in my office. It says everything I need to know I learned from the Bible. It has all kinds of Proverbs that are listed uh, down that list, you get a chance to go in and read them. They're really beneficial for you to be able to read. But one of those Proverbs says this, if you say too much, or if, if you talk too much, you will, say, or you will say the wrong thing. If you talk too much, you will say the wrong thing. It also says things like, don't teach everything that you know. I can give you another sermon around that one. But this is good principled advice given through the Proverbs. How do we not have the ability to understand that when two individuals go in competition for 15 or 20 minutes, finding out which one can hurt the other one most, why do we not naturally draw the conclusion in our brain that this is not good? What does it take to stop an argument? One person to sacrifice. One person to sacrifice their pride. One person to sacrifice their selfishness. One person to sacrifice will stop it dead in its tracks. Do you know what is necessary in order for a fight to happen? Two people. Do you know what can't happen if it's only one? 
a fight. It cannot happen. So what's most glorifying to God? Refuse to fight. But that's no fun. I get it. People get to say things to you that you can't say back. People get to do things to you that you can't do back. Because God expects you to live to a standard that he doesn't expect other people to live to. And I had it wrong. Because instead of complaining about those people, I should have been loving them. And I'm not talking about complaining out loud. I'm talking about in here. Me and Jesus talk about all y'all. Sorry. It's not all bad. Very, very little of it's bad. Matter of fact, for those of you that are in here, it's probably all good. But we talk about you a lot, just to creep you out a little there. We don't want to be a negative influence to each other. So why say something to somebody that's going to trigger one? Why go somewhere that's going to trigger one? Why do something that you know, husbands, how many of you have done something to your wife that you knew was going to start a fight? Why? <laughs> was it worth it? Now, I'll tell you what's beautiful. You get a husband and wife together who has the ability to compromise and to find middle ground when it comes to those arguments that they make that satisfies both of them. I'll show you a wedding that is next level. Next level relationship. But no, we want it like we want it, right? How we want it when we want it, right? What's the benefit? If our spirits are consumed by one another. There isn't one. Jump over to chapter 6. Starting with verse 1. Brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass trespass you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit i'm sorry in a spirit of gentleness each one looking to yourself lest you too be tempted historically what does the church do to people that are caught in a trespass or a sin? Do they restore them? Or do they destroy them? Destroy them, right? We've got to squash that bug. Get the word out. For years, I used that joke at camp. All the kids show up at camp on Monday, just have one hanging from a tree. The rest of them all fall in. Joking. Ain't hanging nobody's kids from a tree. If anyone's caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, you say, well, he disqualified something. Yes, he did. I got to tell you, if you're not spiritual, and what he means by this is, if you are not, uh, if you are not uh, mature in your relationship with Jesus Christ, and by mature I mean implementing every part of Christianity that you've learned over the years in your life, in your regular everyday walk. In other words, um, someone is not considered spiritual if they don't open their Bible except for on Sunday morning. You're not spiritual. That's, that is not a... As a matter of fact, that's an argument for the opposite. Okay. What do spiritual people do? They watch their mouth, no matter where they're at, no matter what day of the week it is. They read their Bible, no matter what day of the week it is. They talk to God, except for at mealtimes and bedtime. They pray without ceasing. They see the opportunities around them and try to take as much advantage of them as they possibly can. Individuals who are spiritual are living in the spirit zone. They are living in the zone that Jesus put them in. Maybe not perfectly, but they're living there. Why does he put a standard there that says, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness? Because anytime we as individuals approach any type of accountability meeting with somebody, the first thing we better do is check ourselves at the door. 
Because if you think that you're not capable of what anybody on this planet has done, then you really think way too highly of yourself. The Bible even says there is no sin under man that has not been committed. You want to be the first? Can't. It's all been done. Many, many, many times over. Why spiritual people? You're supposed to have the Holy Spirit in you. I'm supposed to have the Holy Spirit in me. If I walk up to you led by the Holy Spirit, and if you respond to me led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the same person. How's he going to approach himself? You think that he's split personality? He's going to have an argument? That he's ever going to say anything mean to the other him? The same spirit lives in me that lives in you because that's the only way reconciliation happens. That's the only way it happens. You who are spiritual, restore one with a spirit of gentleness. Don't go after them beating them up over their mistakes, whipping them down to the floor, squashing them into a grease spot. That does nobody any good. People have done things in their past. I get it. I apologize for making you go into that dark corner a while ago. You don't ever have to go there again. As a matter of fact, you can praise Jesus because it has absolutely nothing to do with the person that you are today. Each one look into yourself so that you too will not be tempted. What do you mean by that? I mean, if I'm going to hold somebody accountable for something, how would I be attempted by the same thing that I'm holding them accountable for? That's not what he's talking about. If I do good with, if I do good, or I should say, if I do good with good intentions, or if I do bad with good, in, bad with good intentions, what's the difference? What does intentions have to do with anything? Intentions have everything to do with everything. It's why you do what you do. It's, it's why you say what you say, how you say it. It's, 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 every, it's the central nervous system to us as human beings. Look to yourself. In other words, if you don't handle this quite correctly, the way that Jesus expects it to, to be handled, then guess what you just did? You just sinned. Because you did not do what God just told you to. See what I'm saying? If you don't approach issues in life with a spirit of gentleness, then you're creating or committing sin just like the person did to put them there in the first place. You see what I mean? It's the same argument that I made a while ago. If people actually pointing at other people and calling them hypocrites, it's like, you know who you are, right? Sin typically eats itself. LGBTQ, who can tell me what the B, the B stands for? What's the B stand for? Bi. How many is that? In their own desire to be inclusive, they just said there's two genders. Evil eats itself. Well, if evil comes out of our mouth or leads us to an evil place... Guess what's going to happen to us? We're going to consume one another. That's what's going to happen. If we approach things level-headed, your wife says something to you loud and proud. She's angry. How do you instantly want to respond to that? What? Don't yell at me. You can walk over here and talk to me. How else could you respond? Babe, I have no idea what's bothering you. Can you break? Need to talk? Need to go somewhere for a while? What's the difference? The difference is approaching it with a spirit of gentleness or not. 
That's what it is. Why would he give us this advice? Because it's productive. Because it works. If it works out well, why isn't everybody doing it? Because we're selfish. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And it to be as true. Verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. What do you mean by that? For if someone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting as regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. I just talked a couple weeks ago about the competitiveness that happens inside the relationship. Like, one spouse comes up and says, my sinuses have been running all day today. Nine times out of ten, what does the other spouse say? Oh, I'm sorry, can I get you some Kleenexes with the with lotion in it so that you don't hurt? Is that what they say? Just about every time, they pick out one of their ailments. Why? Because who gets taken care of? The one who needs it more? Or maybe we're justifying our inability to take care of them by saying, I have a problem too. Is that a possibility? Anyway, what does it all boil down to? Selfishness. Haughtiness. Pride. Power seeking. Each one must examine his own work. It's not my job to examine your work. You know why? Because I don't see you 24 hours a day. I can't assess that accurately. I have people who come to me all the time and they're like, I need, I need some reference questions that I need you to answer, preacher, because I'm thinking about hiring this guy. You know what I like to tell him? Don't talk to me. You think they don't lie to me? Go talk to their wife. She knows the truth. Amen? When we self-reflect, anything you can hide from me, you cannot hide from you. When I said a while ago to go into that deepest, darkest corner that was in your past, how long did it take you to get there? person who examines his own work he then will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone but if we were honest with ourselves just how good are we if we take a good hard self-examination anybody in here willing to say you did it all alone that you're just that good got all the answers all the strength that you need never a rough day come along that you can't handle The truth is, folks, and this is the point that he's making here, these relationships that we're building, we need each other. And if the only people that you can get encouragement from are people who pick you apart, or are people who say negative things, or things that cause a negative reaction, what's that? Is that building the relationship? Or is it damaging it? We gotta engage, folks. Sounds kind of creepy in Christian circles, but I'm gonna love you whether you want me to or not. Some people might consider that stalking. But I'm not physically following you. 
but I'm going to love you whether you want me to or not. What do you what say do you have in that? None. You have absolutely no say in how much I'm going to love you. You know what I have no say in? How much you're going to love me. Now love is not an emotion. Do never ever walk walk away from a church or from a conversation believing that love is an emotion. It's not an emotion. Under no circumstances will you ever find it in the scriptures an emotion. It is a verb. It ain't what you feel, it's what we do. Hear me out. If love's a verb, and if I, in the case of my wife, loved my wife the way that Jesus told me to, in other words, I did everything for my wife that Jesus modeled for me, that he told me in his word that I'm supposed to be for her. If I model that, What's the effect of the relationship? Tremendous. What's the natural reaction to a husband or a wife actually doing that? Starting it, being the first one? They love back. Now guess what enters the picture? The emotion. The emotion comes later. The emotion is earned by the action. Do you hear me? The relationship between church members is no different. If we love each other, we show each other. And we're going to be so imperfect at that. Holy cow, we're going to be imperfect at that. I'll tell you every Sunday if it'll help. Stick around long enough, I will let you down. I am not a God. I am a person. I have responsibilities and pressures just like everyone else but if we as a church ever stop loving people if that ever stops driving what it is that we do then we really aren't doing anything anyway you don't feel loved who are you loving and are you doing it right because if you are you can't help it you will be loved back you will be. Because that's the connection people are looking for. People are looking to be able to confess their sins to people they can trust. People are looking for being accepted. One of my favorite all-time um, um, invitation songs, Just As I Am. Just As I Am, without one plea. Jesus required no standard for an individual to live up to to come to church, and we shouldn't require a particular standard for them to come here either. I've been on this journey for a long time, and you guys have too. Some of you have been on it for a very short time. I'm not going to put pressure on you to be a mature believer if you're a year or two-year-old Christian. And nobody else should either. Because all of this stuff that I've talked about for the last month, guess what it's driving? Religion. It's driving religion. And the difference between religion and, and Christianity is religion has no relationship. It has only responsibility. But our responsibility comes through the relationship. It's not something that God tells us we have to do or else. He just said today, do it or not. But if you want to do it right, do it where it's providing a positive influence and not a negative. Do whatever you want. Years ago, I came to a conclusion. If me and my wife ever came to a point where we had a lot of trouble, which everybody has their rough patches. And we have had in our past. It's amazing to me what happened when it dawned on me that I really don't have any right to respond to the way that I'm being treated. Because if I do selfish right but 
but if individuals do not involve themselves in that responsibility as well, then the relationship never happens. The love never builds. Why did I cry over Jameson? Why did Diana cry over Jameson going to the hospital? The thought of that little guy having his appendix taken out. Potential complications with that. You know what I want to do? I want to feel the exact same way as that boy if I find out that he was in the hospital. I want to feel the exact same way if one of the Ricketts Myers kids is in the hospital. I want to feel the exact same way if somebody calls me and says my brother's uncle's cousin who lives in Afghanistan. I want to care that deeply for that kid too. Why? Because that's what the heart of Jesus looks like. And when you learn to love as deeply as Jesus does, I haven't made it yet. But I can see it in his life. You build eternal connections. And in those connections, we love each other and we hurt when, we, when others hurt. We laugh when others laugh. We celebrate when others celebrate. What does it sound like? Sounds like a family, don't it? But it didn't happen by a model. You see what I mean? It happened by individuals who have relationships with Jesus Christ, understanding their part that builds a family. One of the biggest things Highland has always had going for it, people say, man, I walked into that church, I felt welcome. It's not that people don't feel welcome. But I've also heard a half dozen times, man, the church isn't really as nice as it used to be. Well, why? The question I should be asking is, well, why aren't you being nice to people? You see what I did there? Well, people just aren't nice anymore. Well, why aren't you being nice to people? Because when you're nice to people, guess what people do? They're nice back. But we completely separate ourselves from the fact that the thing that we expect them to do, we aren't doing either. So I'll just sit down on the floor and complain. Catch it. If it starts whispering in your ear, catch it. Why? Because we're all on a path and all of us in a different place. And Jesus did not ask me to tell you where you need to be when, how fast of a pace you should be keeping, how slow of a pace you can keep. He didn't ask me to keep any of that stuff. He just asked us all to do the same thing, love each other. Keep learning who I am. Keep implementing those things in the love. But love each other. If Jesus was clear about one thing, he was absolutely clear about that. I'm good at some stuff. My dad taught me something one time a long time ago. I got in a couple fights. Well, not very many. But I won them. And of course, as a young man who wins his first couple fights, he gets the big head and is prideful. And my dad said this to me one day, and it made me think ever since. He said, boy, I don't care how big or bad you ever get, there will always be somebody in the world who could beat you up. Was he right? Yeah, he was right. Never got that experience. I actually learned the lesson before I had the pleasure of the experience. But I can say that that applies to Christianity too. The exact same way. We, outside of the parameters of Scripture, inside the parameters of Scripture, that's what this church will be. Period. Outside of the parameters of Scripture, its ministries, its relationships, its activity, the amount of people that are involved in those activities, guess who gets to pick that? One more time before I close. You do. You get to pick it. being a positive influence on people are you having positive influences being made towards you the answer is no why not and I can promise you it will not take you a chemistry bench to figure it out it won't 
this morning, if you're here, you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ, the personal Lord and Savior, you just need me to pray with you or come see me. I'll pray with you. If you're here today, you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. Today's the day of salvation. Don't come up here as this preacher asked you to. I'm not big on talking and talking people into becoming Christians. The Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. You know what that means. You say, well, what, what does that feel like? You'll know. Then come see me. Believer, we should not be too proud to ever say that we're capable of doing it wrong. When we find out we're doing it wrong, we accept our personal responsibility in it not the responsibility of others who may not even know what it is that they should and shouldn't do. We have to teach them. They have to see it. They have to experience the attachment that comes with this relationship that we have with Christ. There's your challenge. Examine yourself. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the Lord. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners, separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. That's why God sends His only Son, Jesus, to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, He came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask Him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ. Take these next few minutes in prayer, and I'll be praying for you as well.
Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.